I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Jay Catch, Michelle Bodkin along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Hour two of the program underway right now. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome in now former BYU defensive lineman. It's weird to say former because uh, he has been around the program for some time now. But uh, former BYU defensive lineman Alema Pilimai joins us. Alema, thank you for carving out some time. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. So I, I want to start here. Obviously, you've been paying attention to this, as we all have over the past week or so. Uh, the conversations, the stories about Built Bar and what was or wasn't promised by Built Bar, where the money's at, all the conversation. You're a guy, and I, I had you on my podcast, Locked on Cougars, and we talked a lot about this type of stuff. But I want to get your thoughts on the past week or so. Where do you think things stand right now between Built Bar and BYU football? Well, I, I think, you know, the article that was written by the Salt Lake Tribune kind of caused some riffles in the social media world. You know, people have been asking questions about just kind of like what you brought up, like what exactly was said, what wasn't said, what's like what was contractual and then what wasn't. Um, I think the relationship right now is great. I mean, you guys saw that the uh, – I forgot who what position Billy Nixon had at BYU, but he just signed over with Bill and is mm-hmm. working there currently, and so – um, that kind of there is like the bridge, you know, the relationship between BYU and and Built Bar. And so I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think that there's, you know, any static in that relationship. I think that Nick Greer has been an awesome, um, an awesome person to work with. You know, he's done some amazing things at Built for the BYU players. And I, I don't think that those things should be dismissed or undermined in any way. It feels like with this situation, there's, an overarching lesson, and and this is just kind of going to be how it goes with NIL deals as we move forward. Everybody's kind of learning, understanding what needs to be said, what needs to be contracted out, um, you know, just how things need to be made clear to avoid situations like this. What do you think the overall arching lesson was from the headlines that came out the past couple of days? I think the biggest thing is just the communication with the players. Um, you know, when there's a lack of communication from 
the institution or the administration to the players, then there's going to be these kinds of confusions or misunderstandings, you know? Because uh, I think the biggest thing was like, yes, there was something said about um, BYU football receiving 15% of the revenue that that was gained from the Cougar Tail bars, but it was never made clear how that would be made manifest, you know, like whether that was going straight to the players or if it was going towards the program or uh, towards Kalani's discretionary fund, you know, so um, I guess really it's just you got to talk to the players and let them know like what's going on with these NIL deals, you know, there can't be any uh, miscommunication or lack of, um, otherwise you're going to have instances like this. Lemon Peely, my joining us, former BYU defensive lineman, uh, just recently uh, graduated from BYU. And Alema, I just I point of clarification for, for my uh, end. Uh, the way that the release and the letter that Bill Barr put out yesterday was all over social media said that all members of the 2022 football program received that $600 payment yesterday. Were you one of those players who received that? I was, yep. Okay, absolutely. So- I'm, I'm really grateful for it. So, yeah, so, okay, and that brings me to my next question. You mentioned Billy Nixon. He was the director of football operations as well as some other titles during his time at BYU. He's recently joined Bilt Bar as the director of sports marketing. Uh, do you think that he will help? Um, I guess I, maybe you already answered this question a little bit earlier with one of your other answers. Do you think that he will continue to nurture this relationship? And do you think that he'll keep the NIL relationship going uh, despite some of the hiccups over the past week? Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at his past performance as uh, equipment manager and then obviously director of player operations. He was always looking to, you know, to give the players more gear, get them more excited. And so I think he's always looking out for the players' best interests. So I, I definitely think that him working at Bill um, kind of solidifies the relationship and maybe even improves um, kind of the, the, on the communication and the relationship between BYU and Bill. As someone that was with BYU's program for a long time and has seen this transition from no NIL to NIL, yeah, (laughs) under the table to uh, it's now all out in the open, Uh, you know, and now BYU's making this move to the P5 with the Big 12. How do you see NIL kind of working to help BYU make this next step, this this next jump? And what do you think they need to do to continue being competitive? Yeah, I, I think BYU has to continue to harp on the unique, um, its unique characteristics, the unique uh, qualities that BYU has from an IO standpoint. I mean, I mean, you look at the built bar deal, and like that just caused a huge ripple in the college football world. You had like the NCAA, con- you know, conducting an mm-hmm. investigation on BYU. Um, you had other programs getting upset because, like, man, they can't do that. That's not what NIL's for. Like, no, absolutely, that's what it's for. It's to it's to highlight the unique um, characteristics and qualities of these of these colleges, and especially with BYU, like they wanted to take care of the walk-ons, and so of course that's going to be um, a, a competitive um, talking point for BYU. And I think it was awesome that they did that. Um, so I think that BYU has to continue to harp on those things and and really take advantage of its relationships with the surrounding network that it has in Utah County. Um, because Utah County really is a unique, a unique place, um, especially since we have a, it's kind of a, a college town, you know, Provo. So I, I think it's just taking advantage of the relationships that they have um, and doing whatever it takes to make sure that those relationships benefit the players, um, whether it's, you know, getting food at local restaurants or um, getting gear from any of the local, like, 
you know, stores there in Utah County. It's just they just got to take advantage of those relationships. Now, Lemma, I know I've had this conversation with you, but you have a unique uh, perspective on all of this because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe the background for you, you were a scholarship athlete when you first got to BYU, but then uh, midway through your career at BYU, you were moved to being a walk-on who directly benefited from the NIL deal the Built Bar had. They paid for your tuition. Uh, paid for your tuition, is that right? That's right. Okay, so can you quantify how a big that was? Because that's that's thousands of dollars of an investment from a company uh, into your education. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I when I was taken off a scholarship, I was kind of heartbroken at the fact that I, you know, financially that security was kind of taken away. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I understand it's a business decision, and so that's why, like, from my perspective, like players should be able to make their own business decisions if if that's how you know these institutions are going to handle those sorts of instances. So, but, but having built, you know, pay for my tuition and allowing me to graduate with a degree. I mean, I, uh, there's no um, amount of uh, words that I could say, you know, of gratitude that I could show that would really fully express just how like indebted I am to them. And so I, I, I definitely have a unique perspective in, in the sense that I, I can see, the good things that be, that Bill is doing that are way different than the other NIL deals that you'll get from other from other schools, and so I, I just feel like the um, the hate was kind of unwarranted, or the uh, the criticism was unwarranted because it didn't take into full consideration the context of the the built and BYU relationship. Uh, you mentioned that Built Bar helped give you the opportunity to finish your education with a little more ease after having been taken off of scholarship. What what are your plans, you know, now that you're graduated? What are what are you doing with that degree that you got? Yeah, well, so right now I just accepted a job at Vivint uh, in inside sales, but in terms of like my career with my uh with my degree, um I I want to be working, you know, hopefully helping uh troubled youth in, you know, the the local troubled youth homes. Uh, hopefully, I'll be following a career along those lines. I, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but I just know that with a degree, I'm able to enter the workforce with a lot more confidence and a lot more pedigree behind, you know, <laughs> behind my name. So, like, it definitely helps with like finding work. Hey, that paper, it's important. We, Michelle and I both know it, it makes a big, big difference. There's no doubt about that. Um, I got one other question about on the field, and this just goes to looking forward for BYU. Uh, you were with the program as recently as spring ball. So give me a sense, as BYU gets ready to jump into the Big 12 this fall, where do you think the Cougars are strongest, and where do you think they may have uh, some things to shore up as they get ready to play Power 5 football? Um, you know, it it's a good question just because, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of have bias towards the defense, especially having <laughs> sure. been able to, especially having been able to spend time with the defensive coaches like uh, Coach Sione, Coach Hill, um, and a little bit of time with Coach Enna. And I just feel like right now, we're kind of, the advantages that we have is that we're kind of an underdog and that people aren't really expecting much from the program just because of this huge transition from independence to now a power five you know, the big 12 conference. And so I, I just looking at the different changes that have been made, I definitely feel like people are going to underestimate the tenacity and violence and, and aggressive um, play calling um, from BYU this season. So it, I think we're going to be fun to watch. And I think a lot of the players are going to benefit from this new scheme just because they're able to play a lot more, um, a lot more aggressive and play a lot more to our strengths, which have, which has always been, 
you know, just people underestimating us and then us going in and, and, and smacking people's mouths, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just I just want to praise, you know, Coach Hill and the new coach that have come in because they've really changed around the attitude surrounding our defense. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Alema, I cover Utah, actually, uh, and I, I've been doing this since about when they made the move to the Pac-12. And it was always interesting to me asking guys from kind of every stage of the process, you know, just what their thoughts and feelings are. Obviously, you're kind of on the bottom ground. You're the crew, part of the crew that made it possible to make this jump in the first place. I know it's very early in the process. We haven't seen the on-field product yet, kind of how things sure. are going to look early on. But how how does it feel just kind of knowing that you did enough, you and your crew did enough to kind of push, push BYU to this next stage? Yeah, I, I think, you know, ultimately I just am filled with gratitude that I've been able to have the opportunity to uh, to be a part of the team and uh, to make some small contributions here and there um, for us to be here in this position. And so I, I think just looking forward and, you know, watching from the sidelines now or watching from uh, behind the TV, I think I just, you know, want to be able to support my, my boys as much as I can. And, um, and yeah, I guess just take more of a supportive role. You know, I've, I've started a podcast and I also want to be able to like, you know, talk with my friends and my former teammates about their college football experiences and how maybe things have changed since um, the last defensive coaching staff has left to now. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm ready to take on the, the, the screaming fan behind the, <laughs> the TV. You know, I'm ready to take on that role and, and just support my boys as much as I can. Well, you mentioned your podcast. Uh, Puppet, where can people find it? What's the name of it? Sure, it's called the Unfiltered Talk Podcast. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram, um, and also on YouTube. And that's probably the that'll be the platform that we use the most. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you and I have talked about this. You're gonna you you want to bring the athlete perspective of that, and I think that's something that's very valuable out there in the media sphere. So, uh, wishing you nothing but the best of luck with that, and we'd love to have you back on the show down the road to talk some BYU. And I guess from that, yeah, as you mentioned, the screaming fan perspective, we'd love to kind of have hear you talk about it from <laughs> as a guy who's been on the playing field, but at the same time, as you make the transition to being that fan, it'd be fun to have you back on. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. We uh, really appreciate it. And you guys are awesome. Love the guys' show. So. All right, there you go. Alema Pilimai. Uh, Alema, obviously, uh, cover, uh, Jimmy doing his thing with the unfiltered talk stuff. I think he's got a really, really unique uh, perspective he can bring because, as as he kind of mentioned, he, he started out his career with non-NIL uh, 
I guess, universe around him in college football. Then they make the transition while he's playing. And also, he also was a guy who directly benefited from the thousands of dollars invested via NIL into him personally by Bill Barr and other companies. I think it is a really unique perspective, and I think it's worth having him on to let him kind of explain. This is this is what the impact it's making in the real world. This allowed him to graduate debt-free from BYU, whereas had he been taken off scholarship and having to take out student loans and that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, he's an example of one of the better aspects sure, yeah. of NIL. Yeah, uh, there 1, are CD aspects of it, yeah. There, there absolutely are. And, you know, we we kind of maybe saw a, li- a little bit of that just from the standpoint of just not making clear yeah. what the intentions are. Like, but this is not going to be the first or the last time we hear a story like this. Uh, no. But... For me, I love that he's planning on kind of documenting this journey. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, obviously when Utah made this jump, it was kind of before people were super, super into podcasting. It it was kind of before, you know, you could have these kind of conversations on, I mean, like social media was there, but it just wasn't the big deal that it is now. I love that he's going to take time and try and document some of this. I, I think that's going to be really valuable and fun to look back on mm-hmm. uh, as Utah, or excuse me, as BYU, okay. yeah. <laughs> as BYU continues going, yeah. to advance, uh, you know, through this process through the Big 12. And you're right. And he, he, he literally, he went through spring ball with BYU before deciding it was time for him to move on. He actually still has a, technically still had a year of eligibility remaining. Mm-hmm. He could have been with the program through this fall due to COVID uh, situation yeah. and whatnot, but decided it was time for him to move on. And uh, I wish him nothing but the best moving forward, but you're right. The point that you make, I think is the best part is he's going to be able to offer a unique perspective because he's been in the meeting rooms with these guys. So he'll be able to talk directly to, okay, Here's what happened on the field. Here's what I think may have impacted that. It's just it's fun to have guys like that mm-hmm. because you and I were media. Like yeah. we we we're not in those meeting rooms. Well, and he's going to be able to talk to you know his his teammates, his yes. boys, yeah. in a way that you know a lot of times you and I can't. I mean, some sometimes we sure. can. Some sometimes you get someone to trust you like that. Um, but it's just totally different when it's someone that you suited up next to and, and you've done the blood, sweat, and tears mm-hmm. thing, you know, for five years together. Well, yeah, and that, but that goes to the whole point, the whole team dynamic. Like, you become very close to your teammates. Mm-hmm. I, I never played organized sports in an organized fashion, like, outside of high school. But mm-hmm. I'm still very close to multiple of the guys I played football with in high school. I'm 36 years old now. I've, I'm, I've, I was 18 when I graduated. I've lived an entire another like high school lifetime since then, but I'm still very close with a number of those guys because of the relationship we formed literally on the field. And I think you have the same thing in your realm. So it'll be fun to hear Alema talk about this, but it was also good to hear him talk about the direct impact that NIL can have for the good because mm-hmm. – too often we see stories about the bad. Jaden Rashada having a multi-million dollar deal torn away from him uh, due to funding falling through from a Florida collective. He has to force his way out of Florida, now at Arizona State, with nothing, essentially, NIL-wise. The rumors of contention oh, with Jordan Addison. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you hear you hear the not-so-great aspects of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, that's just going to be the name of the game probably really for time and all eternity. I mean, people, 
Here's the thing. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that want to do, I think, the right thing sure. with a lot of this stuff. But there's also people that see opportunities to just take advantage of. And, and they already are and, and have. Exactly. And, you know, that's just not going to stop. Even even with more rules in place, it's just not going to stop. So Somebody is always going to think they're above that oh. uh, and can get away with and pull, pull the wool over somebody's oh, yeah. eyes. Yeah. And it's going to cause, you know, a, a big messy drama thing mm-hmm. um, or ru- rumors of a big messy drama thing yeah. um, that just don't kind of go away. But but it, it is it's always nice hearing the good aspects of it. And I think Olema's story is definitely a testament of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and the one thing also uh, that we learned from all this Built Bar stuff Get it in writing, folks. Yes. My my daddy taught me from a very young age, document, 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 document. Write it down. Have yep. dates. Yeah. Time stamps, signatures, like leave have, no stone if, unturned. If you have a notary, notarize it, do it. Just yeah. make sure it's spelled out in very clear terms what is going to happen because it feels like this was a whole big uh, amount of they said this. No, we meant that. Just – Get it in writing. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. Leave no question. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will come back. We'll get to five minutes of talking about some of the other topics we've not had a chance to touch on quite yet today. Uh, this is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.